is the work of the Christian Institute. Well, let's return then to John 14. John 14, and our text is verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. The congregation in Isaiah 9, verse 6, we read these well-known words. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And we particularly focus on that last name or title given to Christ, the Prince of Peace. There's no one like him, nor will there be. And how he, the Prince of Peace, draws near to the soul, and speaks a word of comfort to those who are troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now here in the upper room, there was trouble in the hearts of the disciples. Fear had arisen. Anxiety had taken hold. Low thoughts had settled in their hearts. And the Lord Jesus Christ was aware of what was going on in their hearts. He knew. That's evident, isn't it, by what he says to them. He comes directly here. Let not your heart be troubled. He knew what was going on in their hearts. He knew, so he spake unto them. Now we have here what is called commonly the Upper Room Discourse, chapter 13 through to chapter 17. Well, here in the Upper Room, the disciples were troubled. They had heard of the departure and the circumstances surrounding their Lord's departure. They had heard of one that would be the betrayer, and that our Lord would be denied by another. 
There were fears of the future. What was going to happen? Their hearts were heavy, stirred up, agitated. So Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Two points tonight. First of all, the troubled heart. And then secondly, the Saviour's word. The troubled heart and the Saviour's word. Let not your heart be troubled. And when we look at this word troubled, literally from the Greek, it means to agitate, to stir, parasol. The heart was stirred up. It wasn't a pleasant feeling within the hearts of the disciples. There was that inward commotion. The calmness of mind had been taken away. There was disquiet, there was restlessness, there was trouble, perplexity, doubts, anxious thoughts. It's all here in the world. Let not your heart be troubled. Now why did the Lord say it? Because they were troubled. They were fearful, they were anxious. And it may be that these words here are describing your heart this evening hour. Let not your heart be troubled, agitated, stirred up. Consider you may be on a walk and you come to a pond and you may pick up a stick and you throw the stick into the pond and what happens? It stirs up the water. They may have been calm, but now there's agitation. They may have been recently calm in the hearts of the disciples. But now they are stirred up. Their saviour, their friend, had told them of his departure. There was great opposition. They were troubled within. Let not your heart be troubled. The Lord knew. The Lord knows your heart tonight. Are you struggling? Are you troubled? Well, the Lord knows it. We, we can't hide anything from the Lord. And are we not thankful for that, particularly in view of the sorrow we go through? The Lord knows. The Lord looked on his disciples and the Lord looks on you. Let not your heart be troubled. We do get troubled. Let's just open this up and consider this. A few examples. First of all, you hear of the cruelty against others, maybe against other believers. Fellow followers of Christ. And you're troubled. How did that one say such a thing against another believer? And you're troubled. It affects the mind. You can hear of the unkindness of others. How, how people can be so unkind. And it affects you. You seek by the Lord's strength to do that which is right. You seek to show kindness. The law of kindness we read in Proverbs. Yet you can hear of such unkindness and it has an effect on your mind and it brings you down. Secondly, you hear of a friend, a loved one that is going or about to die. One that is about to die and you can be troubled. Sorrow can fill the heart. How often these words have been read to believers in view of the valley of the shadow of death. Often these words have read. I used to read these words every Monday, my wife and 
myself used to go and visit my granny and she would always answer these words after the death of my grandfather because she was troubled and these words brought us solace and comfort well you can be troubled a loved one is leaving a loved one is dying or has just died and sorrow fills your heart trouble fills your heart as you see in psalm 88 and you could be cast down but the lord knows doesn't he remember when the lord drew near to the grave of lazarus he wept he wept because of the opposition that was there but he also wept because of what mary and martha were going through but he also wept in view of his friend lazarus jesus wept the lord knows and the lord is touched thirdly this comes out in the word anxiety about what's going to happen the disciples were anxious and it's not a pleasant feeling is it there are those who can feel it but there are those who suffer more of it and it's not pleasant there's this agitation within and there's anxiety what's going to happen these disciples they were anxious in the upper room their beloved friend was about to go the one that had helped them and blessed them so much he was about to go and they were anxious and we can understand we can understand that fourthly it may be this trouble the believer knows their faith being greatly shaken that was the case for Asaph. psalm 73 verse 1 truly god is good to israel even to such as of a clean heart but as for me my feet were almost gone my steps had well mine slipped god is good to israel we look around and we know that the lord is good and we see the Lord's goodness towards that believer and another believer, but in ourselves, our faith is shaken. What about me? I'm struggling. It's not easy, is it? When you're shaken, your faith is shaken, trouble can arise. You can be stirred up. You want to so focus on Jesus, but you find it hard. You should want to so lay hold of the promises, but your hands seem weak, and as a result of that, you can know trouble with him. Oh, what Asaph knew. But as for me, he looks within, doesn't he? Notice, rather, what did Spurgeon say? Poor Asaph. He questioned the value of holiness when its wages are paid in the coin of affliction. And sometimes in affliction, one can be strong looking to the Lord, but at another time, one can be so weak. And their faith appears small and as a result trouble arises one can become anxious one can be having low thoughts let not your heart be troubled a time when our faith is shaken we know there is such a time it was for peter wasn't it remember our lord made plain to peter in luke 22 verse 31 Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fell not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You see there, he will be sifted in the sieve, like wheat, and he will be shaken. And there are times when your faith will be shaken, but the Lord makes intercession. Your faith will not fail. You feel at times your faith is so weak, 
but because of Christ it will not fail. His intercession, as we will consider later, prevails. We're now converted or restored. That's the meaning there, because Peter was a converted man. When he was restored, turned. Remember, he would deny the Lord, but there would be a time of restoring. But even throughout all that time, faith remained within his soul. Well, let's consider whether the fathers we think of trouble. There's much tribulation in this world. There is the persecution that the Lord's people face. Great persecution in certain parts of the world. At this time, there's trouble. We only have to think of Eritrea. Some of us know certain ones in Eritrea, what they are facing. I was speaking to my father last evening. It's been a while now since we've heard of our pastor friend. Released a few years ago, 2018, able to get back to his church and serve the Lord in his 70s. But now it's gone quiet. What persecution in that part of the country. And it brings trouble when it's stirred up. Those who are in prison could be troubled. And the families who are left behind, they can be troubled. Troubled because of persecution. It may be, you know, trouble in the workplace. Perhaps it's not going as you hoped it would. Maybe you know trouble because of family members. And you're stirred up with them. But then consider something else, the coldness of the heart. That troubles me at times. The coldness of my heart. It's not always springtime in the soul, is it? There's winter times, as we see in the Song of Solomon, chapter 3, and the coldness can trouble one. We feel our love is so faint. Yes, it's there, but where is my love, we say? But then consider the coldness of others, the apathy, the gossip. The opposition we face, it will all add to the trouble within. We find ourselves troubled. Is the Lord saying to you tonight, let not your heart be troubled because you are troubled. We do get troubled, don't we? There can be peace, but then suddenly trouble. And we can know sorrow in our heart daily, Psalm 13. And it's not pleasant, is it? Every day, we seek to look to the Lord. It is sorrow in the heart. Every day, there's somebody who is touched. And that's the man who was known as the man of sorrows, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the God-man. For he knew sorrow in his heart, day after day, year after year. He knows. He sympathises. Let not your heart be troubled. Are you troubled tonight? I know what trouble is. I know you know what trouble is. What are we to do? We're to go to the Lord. Remember what that son in that poem wrote? Is there trouble anywhere? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Cast your burden on the Lord. It's not pleasant when you're stirred up, is it? You're struggling. You find little rest. You feel you're going through a great battle. And it's hard to think of the future. All this trouble. It affects one, doesn't it? Notice this here. Let not your heart be troubled. It's this agitation right in the soul. It affects us within. And because of the trouble within our hearts, and we can be so cast down, it affects the mind, doesn't it? 
And not only does it affect the mind, it can affect your body physically so easily. All the trouble is felt within. Remember those words in Psalm 22, verse 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bones. There was something going on in the heart of David. My heart like wax. It was melting. And remember this, the Lord Jesus Christ is there in that psalm. And he facing the wrath of God would say, my heart is like wax. Do you understand that there? So something on, something going on in your heart. The Lord knows. But before we move on, remember this. The Lord who spake these words knew what it was to have trouble in his heart. Turn with me to John 12, verse 27. John 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. Now is my soul troubled. We're thinking there of the human soul of Christ. He took human nature, a true body, and a reasonable soul. Now is my soul troubled. As God, he knows infinite happiness and joy, as well as infinite love and purity. There's no fluctuation. When we read of certain things in Scripture, the Lord's waxed hot. It's just to help us understand, because we can't fully take it in. As God, there is such infinite happiness in his soul. But he took human nature, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and he knew trouble within. Come with me to John 13, verse 21. John 13, verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now what is interesting, it's the same Greek word. He said, let not your heart be troubled. But what do we note in the previous chapter? The trouble in his spirit. He was stirred up. Do you realize that? He was agitated. Yet he could speak to the disciples. But there's a lesson here. He sympathizes. Because he knew what it was like here upon earth to be troubled in his heart. He was agitated. Can you trust him? He who was agitated within his heart here upon earth, can you trust him? We should trust him. And remember how he sympathizes. When you're stirred up, when you are heavy, he sympathizes. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, we read of one who is touched. He's touched. Are you troubled tonight? Are you anxious? Are you heavy? Well, the Saviour's touched. And it's the Saviour that says to you, let not your heart be troubled. I knew what trouble was, but you can trust me. Let not your heart be troubled. And that brings us to our second point tonight. The Saviour's word. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. We fought at the troubled heart. They were stirred up. Well, he speaks to affect their heart. Their hearts had already been affected by sorrow, fear, 
anxiety, no thoughts, heaviness. Now Jesus speaks to affect their hearts that they would know peace and calm and joy within. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not. I know of your trouble, and so I'm speaking to you. He knows what's in your heart tonight. He knows what's in my heart. He knows what you're going through. He knows what I am going through. He knows your tears because you've entrusted them to him. Psalm 56 verse 8. He knows. And so he comes to do you good. Let not your heart be troubled. It's not easy, is it? We can be so troubled, cast down, and we find it hard. But the Lord wants us to know something. There is a cause for you to be calm. There is a cause for you to rest. Now we do get troubled so quickly again. And the Lord needs to say it to us again. That's evident in this chapter. Just go down to verse 27. Peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. They had known some peace, but they had known trouble again. So the Lord comes and he speaks again. Are we not thankful for that? We can know a little calmness, a little peace. But sometimes we get disturbed quickly again. He comes again. Let not your heart be troubled. Notice verse 1. And notice the end of verse 27. There's a cause for calm. You look to Christ. Are you listening? Let not your heart be troubled. I begin with myself. What do I do? I do what Peter does. Look at the wind boisterous. We all do it, don't we? We all look at the wind boisterous. Let not your heart be troubled. Are you listening? Dear child of God, it's your Saviour speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. If he says that to you now, there's cause for you to know calm and rest. It's your Redeemer speaking who will deliver you. Let not your heart be troubled. It's your Shepherd speaking who's going to guide you to the green pastures, but also lead you through the valleys. It's your friend speaking, who so loves you. And sticketh closer than a brother. Let not your heart be troubled. The one who is so close to you makes plain there was a cause. That you can know calm and peace within. You in this moment just turn from what's going on in your mind and listen to Jesus. That's what he wants you to do, isn't it? Let not your heart be troubled. His truth, if Jesus has said it, we can look to him. Well, let's open up this a little further. We think of the Saviour's word. Let not your heart be troubled. Now there's comfort even in those words when we're led to consider them. There's cause, but let's go a little further tonight and consider the Saviour's word and why one can know come. First of all, in verse 1, you're believing. Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Those true disciples had faith within. You're believing. 
How is it with your faith tonight? What do I mean? The exercise of faith. Sometimes it seems small, doesn't it? We pray, Lord, increase our faith. But you are believing. Dear child of God, there is faith within your heart. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. That there's faith there. You look to me. You focus on me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Let your faith turn to him who holds your heart. Believe in. Let not your heart be troubled. There's faith. Believe. Look to the Saviour. You will see you all the way home as we will consider in a moment. Through the deepest valley he will lead you. Through the widest river he will see you across. You believe him. You look to him. When there's a storm, people on deck look to the captain. You look to your captain, the captain of your salvation. You have faith. He's there. You look to him. Let not your heart be troubled. You look to him who will help you and deliver you. You're believing. You're believing in one who will see you all the way home and then welcome you home to heaven. So let not your heart be troubled. You focus on him who is the author and finisher of your faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. The finisher. He will see you home. You exercise faith. Let not your heart be troubled. But secondly, there's a home for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Now some believe the first comfort is in verse 1. And then the second in verse 2. Some believe the first comfort is in verse 2. Well, I believe it's the second comfort. What does the Lord say here? In my Father's house are many mansions. In my Father's house are many mansions. That is a cause for you not to be troubled at this moment. Now there was a house here upon earth. That was known as belonging to God. In 1 Kings 6 verse 1 we read this. That he began to build the house of the Lord. That is Solomon. And as we think of that house. There were chambers there at the temple. Certain places for one to rest in. To rest from their duties. Reverend John Brown of the Haddington speaks of chambers for lodging. We can think of the priests, they would know a resting place. They're in the chamber. They're in the house all those years ago. And how precious was that house? How beautiful was that house? In my father's house are many mansions. The reference is in light of the temple. The house and the chambers of the house. In my father's house are many mansions. Think of the places. Now on the other side of the forest there's a certain farm. Not you of you know it. It's called Southview Farm and it was my grandfather's farm. You would go in the back door and you would come to the kitchen and there would be a table by the sink and on the table was the milk churn that my grandfather had brought in. And then there was this large glass container, which now is at my house. And the cream was there in the container, or the glass container. 
There was that room. To the left of the kitchen was a large larder, a walking larder. That's what they used to have in those days. And then you would go, and the place was full of granny's food. Cakes, breads, and other such things. We're returning to the kitchen, you would go through another door, and you would enter the sitting room. On the left was this arger, which was humming away in the winter time. And there were chairs around the outside, and there was the great farmhouse table. And many a happy time was enjoyed there by a number of us. And the delights were received and tasted. But going from that room, you entered the hallway, another room. And there was a resting place there. You would go upstairs and there were these other rooms, bedrooms, all on different layers. I remember it well, a few steps up to the room where my mother was, used to be rather. And then another few steps up to a larger room where her sisters were. And then down a bit to another room where my grandparents stayed. All the different rooms. Coming back down to the hallway, you went through another door into the best room. And only on certain occasions were we allowed in there. And you went in and you were confronted with this fireplace and a fire in the hearth. A piano on the side and there were chairs. And I can remember those happy times. The family were gathered there and there was singing and joy and happiness. There in the best room. What a place my grandfather's house was but nothing compared to heaven, the Father's house, and the many mansions. Now what do we think of the many mansions? The places for God's people, those that believe in him, many mansions, and that word many takes us to consider the millions and millions of places for God's people. In my Father's house are many mansions. We think of the temple and the chambers and the gold that was there. The places we go to heaven, and the places there, no wonder we meet here at the mansions. You can think of a restroom, a resting place here below, where you can rest, but all then think of heaven and the mansions. It speaks of a place there in heaven for you. So many places there in heaven. We think in Revelation of a number which no man can number. So many places. Some of you have loved ones there already. So happy. Some of you have children there. So happy in their mansion. Some of you have little ones that never saw the light, redeemed by the precious blood there in their mansion. So happy. In my Father's house are many mansions. Think of heaven and the places there, such delight and blessing. I remember the meal times itself, you farm, the food that Granny brought in. Used to be Guernsey cows, you can think of the butter then. The cheese, the puddings, weren't healthy for you, but they were just right. What delights there, what happiness, but all in heaven. Such delight, such joy, such happiness. In my father's house are many mansions. Oh, think of heaven, that real place. Think of all the joy and the happiness taking place there at the moment. 
Let not your heart be troubled. If you're a believer here tonight, think of home. Last Lord's Day I drove down to Kent and I passed a certain place on the way. And a number of years ago, 30, rather 26 years ago, I went there to college and I was homesick. As I thought of home, how I long to be back home. Do we long to be home? Think of home. What a home you have. It's a mansion. So beautiful. What a place of rest. Think of the priests, the Levites, in the chambers, resting, a lodging place. Oh, what rest you will know from heaven. You will rest from your labours. You will rest from toil. You will rest from trouble. Think of home when you will be troubled no more. What a place. In my Father's house are many mansions. I expect I've used this illustration before. There was a certain preacher, and he went to preach in a chapel in no man's land on the other side of the forest. And my great uncle attended that church, and he heard a sermon. And he went up to the preacher afterwards. A very good sermon, but for one thing. I haven't got a room in heaven. I've got a mansion in heaven. And it was my privilege to go and read to my great uncle in Salisbury Hospital just before he died. And I remember the smile on his face. His face was so dark. His eyes were dark. But then it lit up as he thought of Jesus and thought of home. Oh, what joy in his heart now. Think of home. We're nearly there, aren't we? Only a few more valleys to go. To a home. Think of home. Think of that time you will spend there in heaven and in the heavenly world throughout all eternity. Let not your heart be troubled. You look up. The wind's boisterous, isn't it? The sorrow fills the heart, but you look towards home. But then thirdly, Jesus is preparing and we must draw to a close. What do we read in verse 2? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus is preparing. Let not your heart be troubled. He's gone on before. That's a great comfort to me. He's gone on before. Therefore, I want to go where he is. Remember those words in Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He's there. And one of the reasons he's there is for you tonight, with your troubled heart. He's there for us. He entered. Now, did you realise you sang of the ascension of Christ in Psalm 47? God has gone up with shouts, the with a shout, the trumpets. We think of the day when the Lord will come, there will be the trumpet, and there will be the shout and the voice of the archangel. Well, for Psalm 47 is the ascension. He went up with a shout and the trumpets, and he entered heaven, and that's where he's been. Receiving the praise, leading the song, making intercession, making home ready. 
It wouldn't be home, would it, if Jesus was not there? Would you want to go to heaven? If Jesus was not there, no, I wouldn't. Because it wouldn't be heaven. I go to prepare a place for you, and he's preparing it at this very moment. He prepares it by being there. It's home, isn't it? We've often said to our children, home is where we are. Well, home is where your elder brother is, your beloved saviour. That's home, isn't it? And he's gone there. He's gone as the forerunner. He's there. He's preparing. One of the things we know he's doing in the preparation is making intercession. He's speaking to the father of his precious blood that was shed for you. Because of my precious blood, keep them through the trial. Help them through the valley. Support them in the affliction. His intercession. Help them, keep them. His intercession is powerful and prevailing. So his friends will come home. He's preparing. He, he's speaking to the Father about his precious blood and you. Let not your heart be troubled then because you'll get home. Because of what he is doing now. Yes, what he has done, but then we can think what he is doing. He's prevailing intercession. Moments before your home call. Jesus not only will be with you in the valley, he'll be there in heaven making intercession. I say this so lovingly. For some believers, they are troubled in the valley. Anxious. Fears arise. We'll take comfort tonight when you are in the valley. And it may not be easy for you. He's in heaven. And he'll be making intercession. Those final few moments he'll be with you spiritually. But he'll also be into heaven, in heaven, reminding the Father of his precious blood. And you'll get home. He's there. He will intercede for your deliverance of death. And because of what he did here upon earth and because of his prevailing intercession, you will get home. He's preparing heaven. And part of the preparation forever is he does this. He stands. That's part of the preparation for you. He will stand. Acts 7. For Stephen saw Jesus standing. And so when your time comes, he will stand. That's amazing, isn't it? He will stand to welcome you into heaven. It's all of grace, isn't it? Saved by grace, kept by grace. And as Newton said, grace will see me home, and there he will stand if you come to the gates of heaven, the path of the preparation. And he will welcome you in. Let not your heart be troubled, because the Saviour is preparing. Therefore no trouble will prevent, no storm will throw you off course, no wave will sink you so as to never recover. Because Jesus is in heaven. Fourthly, Jesus is coming. Let not your heart be troubled. 
what we read in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. You won't stop here long. But let me just say, the trials that the church is facing will one day come to an end, because Jesus is coming again. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He will come. He'll come for you at death, but particularly he'll come again on that great day, the trials the church faces will not last forever because he's coming let not your heart be troubled you're in some trial at this time you're struggling just look up do you know we find ourselves saying even so come lord jesus bring the situation to an end bring the church home at last to emmanuel's land in view of this let not your heart be troubled and then fifthly and finally, the precious legacy. Let not your heart be troubled. And with this I close, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be just be afraid. Peace. Peace in view of his precious blood and that there is reconciliation. And then peace in the heart. We do get disturbed, don't we? You know, there are some things I know that are affecting your mind. And you're disturbed in your mind. But there is the legacy of peace. We do get disturbed. Jesus comes again and he reminds us of the legacy that we have. We have peace I leave with you. He knows when you're troubled. So he comes to remind you of the legacy, peace, I leave with you. He comes to calm your soul. There's a cause for you to be calm, and it's my peace. The Prince of Peace makes his way to your soul. He has access to your heart, and he comes. He's the consolation of Israel. He calls out. He draws near. And he speaks a word of peace. The Prince of Peace, he's the Prince, isn't it? And the peace he brings to the soul is like none other. No one else can bring you such peace but Jesus. And he sees you in trouble, so he comes. He comes to you. Let not your heart be troubled. He comes and I will remind you of what you have because of me. And I will tell you again that you might know calm. Peace I leave with you. There's the valley. If you look to the mountain and you consider Jesus there by faith and remember the legacy. We do get troubled, don't we? And I expect tomorrow you'll be troubled again. Psalm 13, sorrow in my heart daily. We wake up and sorrow can come. We want to pray, we want to read, but sorrow comes day after day, week after week. Consider Christ year after year. He knew sorrow. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was stirred up, he was agitated with him, but he comes to bring you peace. He so sympathizes 
but he has a great legacy to remind you of. Let not your heart be troubled. And take comfort, and with this I close. He knows you're going to struggle again and again. We see that in this chapter because he says, let not your heart be troubled. They focused, but then they struggled again. So he says it again, let not your heart be troubled. The Prince of Peace knows your heart. And so he's coming. Those words, in view of the centurion servant, I will come and heal him. He comes to heal our broken hearts by reminding us of the legacy, by touching us and saying, let not your heart be troubled. I expect I will struggle again soon. Let Jesus come again. And let Jesus keep coming to your soul. You need him, don't you? You can't bear it alone. He's coming. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Amen. Oh, gracious God, keep coming to us. We know all too well, and now just know it all together, how quickly we struggle, how quickly sorrow fills our heart. But come, blessed Prince of Peace, and where there is the filling of sorrow, fill it then with peace, Lord. And keep doing that when we know great sorrow again. Lord, come, and help us to focus on you. Lord, we know that thou dost understand, because... Blessed Saviour, in taking human nature, thou was stirred up within for many years. O oh Lord, come and speak to us. Don't leave it long, Lord. Come, focus our minds, cause our faith to exercise. We need thee, blessed Saviour and friend. Come often on the journey until we're home with thee in heaven. Amen. 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 And to our final praise, Psalm 147. We're particularly thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ in this psalm, particularly the third verse that's confirmed in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. Those that are broken in their hearts and grieved in their minds, He is the Lord Jesus. He healeth. And their painful wounds, some of our wounds are painful, the scars are deep, but the Lord is able, he tenderly uprights. You may have been treated cruelly, your physician treats you kindly. Psalm 147, verses 1 to 5, and the tune is done as rapture. Praise the Lord for it is